So, uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa has responded to the State of the Nation uh, debate. He sat through and listened to that. Of course, uh, everybody taking part in the debate had heard his address to Parliament and to the nation last Thursday. They responded and he, as is tradition and convention, uh, then ended up having the last word. So, what did he say? What uh, opportunity did he make uh, of that particular chance to have the last say. Babalo Ndenze is our parliamentary correspondent and has been listening in carefully. Babalo, very good afternoon to you. Before we talk about content, what, what was your sense of the president's mood? Was it uh, defiant? Uh, did he sound upbeat and buoyant? What, what did you make of it? Um, yes, indeed, John. He did sound upbeat uh, and, you know, in a relatively good mood. Maybe one could even... It did sound a bit buoyant, um, and he did address all, if not all, the issues that were raised during the debate. Um, he didn't, you know, um, attack anyone. He has, the previous past, you know, made direct references to people like John Steenhuisen and what his contribution was, but he didn't do that this time around. Um, he only did that towards the end of his speech, which has just wrapped up a few minutes ago. Um, but the president did sound in an upbeat mood. John, um, he did um, address a number of the issues that were raised during the speech. Um, yeah, yes, and he's about to um, go to another engagement now at the Cape Town Press Club where he's also going to address the media and residents. So, I mean, uh, amongst the most serious criticisms of his administration has been uh, very much a failure to deliver on critical things. Uh, energy would be right up near the top of the list, a failure to crack down on corruption. Uh, and, of course, he got quite a, a bashing around for uh, his mythical character or, or constructed character, uh, Tin Swallow, uh, who he used to try and talk about the many gains of, of 30 years of, of democracy. Where, where do you think he was still perhaps vulnerable on, uh, in the answers that he gave? By the way, I don't know if Tin Swallow returned to the House or not. Um, yes, indeed. Tin Swallow did return to the House. In fact, um, more Tin Swallows returned to the House. Than oh, more of them. Okay. In- in the gallery that the president introduced towards the end. And these are Tinswallows that were invited by the president. And, you know, some of them are pilots, some are engineers, um, some are policemen, and some are in the public sector. So he brought these Tinswallows, you know, to introduce them directly to the members inside the chamber and also remind members that they also are Tinswallows, whether, you know, South Africans like it or not. Those were born after 1994 or in the last 30 years, Archidswallows, whether they like it or not. Um, but he did address other issues that were raised during the, the two-day debate on issues around corruption as well as load shedding. And he does acknowledge that, you know, these two mainly, these two are some of the government's or his, or his administration's or his legacy's failures. And he, he does acknowledge this and he says he's been clear and direct and honest about out- outlining all the challenges that people are still facing. Yes. And he listed these two. Uh, but he says, you know, we have to reflect on the last 30 years and no speaker during the last two days has been able to refute the reality that millions of South Africans have been, have been transferred the last 30 years. And that's the reality, whether we like it or not. But he has acknowledged the shortcomings and he does, you know, promise that these are, are being dealt with. And he also mentions a few positives, John, like growing tourism numbers. And what, you know, they're doing as far as renewable energy is concerned, he does acknowledge the load shedding, but he says this is being looked into and they are working hard to resolve it, you know, permanently. But the president has listed some, some positives, but mostly government shortcomings.
And just finally, I mean, uh, the, the the kind of responses that he got were were there was there uh, a certain amount of heckling, and and was there anything in the heckling that stood out as noteworthy or or very much to the point? Well, it was mostly you know applause from members of the ANC's caucus. Um, the speaker did warn at the ANC side of the of the sitting that you know, that they were making quite a lot of noise over the last two days. But today, not much noise coming from that corner, but they did uphold the president whenever he said something positive and whenever he raised the issue of Tinswalo and basically re-emphasized the importance in acknowledging the country's past. So no heckling, rather, and that could also be attributed to the fact that there was no EFF present the entire week in the two-day debate, as well as the State of the Nation address. But some DAs would, you know, um, heckle when he does say something that they don't agree with. But it was mostly his members of his own caucus really applauding the president whenever he said something that they agreed with. Thank you so much, Babalo Ndenze, EWN Parliamentary Correspondent. I don't know if you did listen to the president's response to the State of the Nation Address debate to give it its full title, but if you are uh, have been keeping an ear out for it or maybe an eye on the television screen, you've got a thought do give us a ring and uh, tell us what you think. I saw a very interesting story. It's it's appeared on a number of platforms, but it, it's it's intriguing. Let me read it for you. Bologna, uh, which is a city in the northern part of Italy, not the far north, but certainly well north of Rome, uh, has become the first major Italian city to impose a speed limit of 30 kilometers per hour in the town. And they're following, Bologna is following on the heels of some other European cities, Amsterdam, Bilbao, Spain, uh, Bilbao, which is in Spain, Brussels in Belgium, of course, and Lyon in France. And they've dropped speed limits from 50 kilometers all down. And they're saying this is going to make for safer, healthier, and more livable cities. And in fact, the mayor of Bologna, I'll just uh, check his name, it's Mr. Mazzoli, Luca Mazzoli, uh, made this one of his campaign promises. So clearly the citizens thought this was a good idea, although some of the journalists covering the story have uh, introduced, have interviewed taxi drivers and one of them said, um, city has to move. He clearly did not fancy these restrictions. But here's the question I wanted to ask you uh, based on what I, I find quite a tr- an intriguing story. And by the way, these cities are not easily comparable to a city of Johannesburg. But would you appreciate much reduced um, speed limits in parts of, of, say, Johannesburg or Pretoria? And if so, can you think of where and why? Um, we are meant to drive more slowly around schools. We put in speed bumps into our neighborhood. Um, but could you get used to just driving much more slowly if everyone around you was driving slowly? To which you might say, yeah, in your dreams, given the way in which we uh, actually, as a country, observe the rules around us. But I, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting. If we all knew everybody was going slowly and you factored it into your day, maybe we'd all be more relaxed. We wouldn't be getting old quite so quickly or older, perhaps just in our minds.